Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stronger, Healthier, Happier podcast. This is Zach. I'm with Jen, and this is episode 52. Jen is already making some notes, and we haven't even I started. I just remembered yet. what I was going to say <laughs> before we started, which is which is good because I knew I had Jen has the to notes, and I don't have the notes, but um, we always make it work. Yeah. Um, we just wrapped up our first ever Grit Games competition over the weekend. Um, I would say it's it our first real, first real, real competition. Hey, mm-hmm. we had a couple, um, we called them rocker comps, mm-hmm. rocker comp back at the old gym. Mostly people from our gym, a couple from a few from Winnipeg without driving. But I think this was probably like our first official event. Our first official competition, mm-hmm. whatever official means. Yeah. And we we actually got the nameplates printed at Leech Printing this time instead of making them with Sharpie markers right. and Maybe that's official. Less spray home, paint. Less homemade <laughs> items. More professional items. Yes. We had, and more than half of our field was from out of town. Yeah. Maybe that makes it a bit more official too. Definitely our first official event um, in the new gym. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was a wonderful, wonderful day. Um, anybody who doesn't know, Grit Games was our version of a fitness competition. We had it at our gym three days ago, Saturday, June 10th, and it was an individual competition. We removed all high skill CrossFit movements, all heavy weights, and it was an individual competition with males, females, and all ages kind of on the same leaderboard. So mm-hmm. only one division. And then what you're left with is just really tough, simple workouts, which we enjoy the high skill stuff, I think. And a lot of people do working on muscle ups and handstand push ups and improving our one rep max snatch and things like that. But when you remove all of that, I think you're just left with very fun tough workouts and it made it very accessible for a lot of people and I think it was a success yeah it was pretty awesome I think was the idea born like you and a couple members just kind of randomly had this idea I would say the idea was six months ago yep the idea was born from we would do some gym workouts that and Carter one time made the comment He said, it's fun when a lot of people in the gym can RX the workout. Basically, if there's like, if it's just like rowing, running, and wall balls, three simple movements. And he basically said, it's fun when a lot of people can RX it because then a lot more people. And RX is kind of like do it exactly as it's written. Yeah. So you don't, basically a workout with simple movements or lightweight. So a lot of people can just do it exactly the way it's written on the board. Very minimal modifying in classes and what happens all of a sudden there's like 50, 60 members who can do it. And then all of a sudden you're competing with a lot more people. So then the idea was, geez, I wonder if a competition could do the same thing. And then you could have people, um, instead of having a bunch of divisions and males and females separated, you could just create this kind of one mega division. That's essentially what happened. We had 44 athletes, um, all completing these workouts on the same leaderboard. And I think one of my favorite things about it was that, it was definitely more accessible for a lot of people. And because all people, all the athletes were on the same leaderboard, the competition was a lot more exciting because there was a lot more shuffling around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
it was very, very close in many, many events. Um, yeah, it was super fun to watch. It also gives people a chance to, if you're like, just say you consider yourself a beginner, you know, or a novice athlete, like you're now in a competition, like you can actually compete against the best people there. You're doing mm-hmm. the same workouts. A lot of times in competitions, just the way they've been ran is, you know, the novice people are with novice people and intermediate and elite are with elite. So you're, you're in the same competition, but you're kind of in your own division, which is totally cool. This was just fun to see everybody able to complete the workouts, you know, with the, the same, the same barbells, the same medicine balls, the same box jump heights. It was just, um, yeah, it was something different and it feels like we're bragging about our own idea, our own event, but basically it requires a lot of work and a lot of grit to get through four tough, simple workouts. Um, yeah. I think too, there was, well, obviously there was a ton of highlights, but to do some shout outs, the battery came, the battery ice cream truck came and it was wonderful. It was kind of near the end of the day. And I think everyone really enjoyed her treats. Um, we had Livingstone Outdoor bring a huge uh, hot tub, but fill it up as a cold tub. And I think the athletes really enjoyed that. So it was also just fun from a planning perspective to see all of these things um, come together and to have all of our sponsors and um, just have all the athletes there and taking pictures. It was it was very surreal. I just wanted to pull up the leaderboard a bit because going into it, one of the one of the things I was worried about when you're when you're doing males and females in the same division, there's adjusted distances or calories and different weights, different heights for the box jump, and we were kind of hoping it would play out the way we wanted it to play out, meaning fair for everybody. But um, in the top ten, there was. One, two, three, four, five. So in the top 10, there was five males and five females. So it basically worked out, again, not to brag about our brains (laughs) here, but it worked out exactly the way we wanted it to, where, you you know, you can kind of create this, this sport or this competition where males and females can all go together and it's, it's not about male. Yeah, it's just it's just fun that we can all do this together. It was really cool to see. We had ages from 16, I think, was our youngest athlete, and 56, 56 or 57 was our oldest athlete, and we have you know everything in between. A lot of people in their 20s and 30s and 40s. Just a awesome day. Um, props to all of the athletes for embracing this new idea Mm -hmm. in the sense of like putting themselves out there to being okay with you know being a beginner athlete with some really really top end crossfit athletes you know for the older males just using the same weights as everybody else you know they Mm -hmm. didn't take any masters weights the teenagers didn't take teen weights we just all agreed to kind of have the same the attitudes were amazing People were very supportive of each other. I think I've always really enjoyed individual competition because it kind of just adds a another element of mental toughness or grit because you're kind of out there on your own, but then people really do support each other. That was very cool to see. And, and obviously a, a million thank yous to our volunteers. Um, there was 44 athletes. There was close to 44 
volunteers needed to make that day operate. I think there was 20 to 25 on the day of, but we had lots of people helping out leading up to the event as well. So um, if you had any part of Grit Games, we, we thank you. If you didn't have a part in Grit Games, we hope to see you in Grit Games 2024. Yes, we'll be back next year for sure. The next uh, thing I did want to say, remember when we were before firing up this podcast, you said, what else did we want to talk about? Mm-hmm. We wanted to talk about the Terry story. Yes, look it. Oh, you wrote it down. Terry's comment. Wow. Aww. We're coming full circle, everybody. <laughs> Jen was late coming to the podcast because she made a comment. Terry's comment. And you remember it too. And I used the force <laughs> to pull that out of Jen's brain. Um, we wanted to make a comment about Terry's comment. Yes. So one of, well, actually the wonderful woman and her husband, John, that grow our vegetables were part of their CSA. If you don't know what CSA is, it is Community Shared Agriculture. Um, and their company is? Brown Sugar Produce. There we go. Um, so we get local veggies from them all summer long. I think we go right 24 weeks, but I think we actually got 26 weeks this year. So we get fresh veggies every week for the next 25 weeks, which is super exciting. Um Anyways, and we're also lucky enough that she listens to, or they listen to our podcast, which is, it's always fun when someone tells me that. I'm like, oh yeah, people listen to this. <laughs> kind of makes you feel like a little famous. You're like, holy geez, someone's actually listening to us rambling in our uh, in our living room. But yes. yes. Remind me of another story after this. But um, So she made a comment a couple weeks ago. She said, oh, I'm so glad that your podcasts are kind of random in their timing and that you don't do them too close together. Um, which See, that's, also made me chuckle. Because and that's on purpose, Terry. Because <laughs> they are definitely not bi-weekly anymore. Uh, but, but it got us off the hook. Yes. It, so now is, this, is, this, is, this is purposeful. Yes. But she had said sometimes on some of the podcasts, you know, sometimes they're weekly Sometimes they're bi-weekly or twice weekly. Yeah. There, you know, there's some that are coming out a lot. And so when you have ones that you like, you're also trying to keep up with them. So I think the keeping up with them can be overwhelming. But she said sometimes listening to so many other people's thoughts um, and ideas can also sort of cloud like her own thinking and her own thoughts and ideas on certain topics. And I thought when she said that, I just like couldn't we had been talking about this a little bit around the house just couldn't have hit the nail on the head harder because we had just been talking about this and I don't know what the term would be information overload yeah like this information overload where there is so much information available through podcasts through books through audiobooks all through anywhere on the internet that it seems sometimes like people are kind of getting away from being able to just trust their own intuition and, you know, what's right for them and what's right for their family and just full stop end right there that they're getting pulled in this direction and now they're going in this direction and, you know, they're not doing this right. So they're trying to change this and it, it can be. And overthinking yeah. is a terrible mindset and a terrible thought pattern when we start overthinking from this information overload. Yeah, we mm-hmm. almost lose the ability to make sound decisions for what's best for us and our family. Mm-hmm. And that starts to develop into the paralysis by analysis. And remember that one time we, 
you know, we were reading that book on nutrition and almost like, I almost had to like put it down. I'm like, Hey, it's just, it's almost more information than I could ever need for what I need to use it for. Mm-hmm. Right. We've experienced that with books and you almost kind of, so I, I think, um, yeah. So us podcasting once a month or once every couple months, um, totally on purpose. Now <laughs> we don't want to burden you with all of our knowledge. Everybody, we like to space it out, but um, but, but it is a really, yeah. you know, it is a really interesting topic because I think even in the area of parenting, um, that there's, there is just all of these ideas and thoughts and methods and uh, ways to do things. And I think sometimes just stopping and like asking yourself, like, am I happy with the way things are currently going? And I mean, let's just take sleep, for example. You know, am I happy with the way that my child is sleeping right now? If the answer is yes, then, you know, every time you see a podcast or you, you know, see um, information or Instagram or whatever on these different sleep ideas, in the back of your head, you could just say, oh, I'm already good with the way things are going. I'm really happy with it. And it, you know, starts to maybe eliminate that need to like learn more, know more, different techniques, because then I think in the end, you're going to start questioning what you're doing, but you've already said to yourself, I'm really happy with how things are. And I think that can be a tough thing. Whereas if you would have answered, you know, no, I'm actually not that happy with how things are going. Okay, well, then you can open to the opportunity of new ideas. But same thing, take one idea, try it out, you know, make sure that you do it 100%, do it for a long enough time to see if it's going to work, then move on to another, like this, you know, idea of kind of taking four or five different approaches, and this person said that, and this person said that, and we're kind of dabbling in everything and not really getting anywhere because some of them overlap and some of them don't, I think can be just very mentally exhausting on. Yeah, um, big in the nutrition and fitness world as well. And we like to use the term like, if we were speaking to somebody, are you thriving? Or if you're going to speak to yourself, just am I thriving? And if you're saying yes, then just let everything else go. Mm-hmm. And if the answer is no, okay, then why not? Or where does the work need to be done? Mm-hmm. But sometimes, again, as a parent, like, oh, geez, you know, is my kid watching too much TV? Is, you know, are, are we doing this right with Paxton? You know, uh, are we in enough activities? Are we in too much activities? Like, it can become very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we just stop and be like, okay, like personally, I do feel like I am thriving. Mm -hmm. I feel like we are thriving. Mm -hmm. We wake up every day in a great mood. We go to bed every day in a great mood where I would say we are thriving. So then it just becomes, okay, just, you can let all that stuff go. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. And, and maybe the information overload you know, that, that comment was perfect because it, it did start, it, we analyzed, oh yeah, you know, she's got a good point there that we don't need to listen to every podcast every week, read every book on every subject. And it's just like, just find, and then, and find then out find what find ways to you. apply it. Like you can also just read, be like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like it'll stay in my brain or it won't. You don't have to change the way you're doing things just because someone else is doing it you know, a little bit different. Like again, if you are thriving and I mean, I think we could even explore that term a little bit more. Um, but I think ultimately that's our goal is to have more people thriving because we are in a time of like, we have the most we've ever had as 
like, it's like the a net, population. It's like the Netflix effect for our brain. Yes, but I feel like there might be less people thriving now than there were 50, 80 years ago. And so why, why is that? You know, we have more things, we have access to more things. Um, we have, but I don't know. We're not. Maybe we are, maybe we're not. But the thought I think is, is this, is that if there's an area in your life that you're not thriving, look for a solution and apply it. See if it makes a positive change. Mm -hmm. If you're going in the right direction, then just leave it there. But, you know, again, to, I don't know, to break it down into our world of health and fitness that you don't need to know that much about nutrition to make positive nutrition changes. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go into that in, later in this episode as well. But um, yeah, having too much information is sometimes not a good thing. And I wonder if in Terry's world, there's a billion different ways to farm and grow vegetables. And eventually you just have to pick a way that works for you and trust in yourself and trust in mm-hmm. your own brain to sift through the knowledge. But at some point you just kind of have to move forward I guess so um we don't want to be caught in this world of standing still because we're taking in so much info yeah I also think it's like a good reminder to everyone that it's okay to be in a position where you're like yeah I'm really happy with how everything's going like you don't constantly need to be better to change things and I know you know E.C. Sienkowski um talks about the worried well in the sense that sometimes people you know for women, they're in that 20 to 30% body fat range. They go to the doctor once a year, all of their, you know, blood test results are in normal ranges. They're not trending upwards. You know, they're active. Things are going well. Like you've essentially hit the jackpot. Like you are doing everything right. So not to say that there's not going to be performance goals or maybe you have aesthetic goals, but essentially for health, like you've you've got there, you don't have to keep doing more. And I think that can apply to a lot of other things in life too. It's okay to just be doing good and like, yeah, what's interesting, what you just said, like a light bulb went off in my head. If you, if you go back, <laughs> I didn't and, know what was happening there. Cause you were, <laughs> yeah. If you go back and listen to the last podcast, the last podcast we did was like on plateaus. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're on a good plateau. Mm-hmm. Why, why, why is plateau such a bad word? Like, it, like it's almost like we're standing still. So it's bad. What if like you're on cruise control because you're absolutely demolishing life? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the, that's the plateau. Because mm-hmm. again, when people always ask me about that, I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, technically, if if we're comparing data to each other, then I'm also on a plateau. And I feel like I've been on a plateau for, I don't, I mean, I don't even know. I don't, I don't use that term. I just call it cruise control. Like things are good. So mm-hmm. basically if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So yeah, sometimes we are just good yeah, and we well, can almost talk ourselves out of it. And you've also had a great analogy because in CrossFit, they use the, um, what does he call it? Where it goes from like sickness, wellness, well, and then health. Sickness, wellness, fitness. Fitness. Continuum. And it's like a, it's like a semicircle. Yeah. We talked about this recently, right? I think we've talked about okay. it. I'm pointing at us too. So I don't you, know if we've mentioned it Yeah, if it you want to see the visual, everybody, you'd have to Google um, Google like CrossFit Sickness Wellness Fitness Continuum. And basically the idea was presented by Greg Glassman. Essentially like the fitter you are, you're, you're moving away from sickness. So 
and and data will support this. You know, if your body fat's getting lower, if your 400 meter run times are improving, if your burpee pace is improving, essentially you're getting fitter, you're moving farther away from sickness, which I think is true in 99% of ways. Our super easy example would be like if someone said, you know, is working out three days a week good for you? I'd say yes. And then if they said, is four days better? I would say yes. Is five days better? I'd say, yeah, but it depends on some factors is, you know, okay. So is six days better? I'm like, yeah, I'm not so sure. Seven days better? Definitely not. Like sometimes you, you take a good thing and you keep going with it. Eventually that sickness, wellness, fitness continuum, this semicircle almost starts curving back towards like back towards wellness and sickness in the sense of, you know, once you're doing a lot of things right, you don't really like, again, even with body fat percentage, there's like a range that is considered like very healthy. You know, and mm-hmm. I think in females, like 20 to 30% is like the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. So if someone said like, oh, like 30% is better than 35, like, yeah, according to the data and research, like it, it, it is healthier. And then, okay, so 25% is better. Like, well, kind of, yeah, you know, and then, but eventually, so is 15% better. You know, you start getting into an area where it's like, well, no, because a female body doesn't thrive as well down towards 15, 12, like you start losing mm-hmm. your, your ovulation cycle. Your, your body's not working as well as it does in 20 to 30%. Mm-hmm. And I think for males, like, yeah, it's like more like. I think it's 12 to 20. Yeah. Or, it's a bit yeah. lower just because of the muscle mass yeah. that you carry. 13% yeah. to 23% mm-hmm. is kind of optimal ranges. But yeah, anyway, just going back to too much of a good thing is not a good thing, I guess. Yes. So I feel like you can take that from fitness and really apply it anywhere, even over listening to but yeah. podcasts. Knowledge is yeah. good, but. I guess control. not when it clouds your own thoughts yes. <laughs> and intuitions control the intake. Um, so going back to thriving, kind of our main chat today is going to be about the way the way. What is the way? This is the way um, <laughs> this is borrowed from the Mandalorian show. Everybody Star Wars. So the Mandalorian is like a race of people from Mandalore. Geez, where's Jared when you need it? <laughs> but the Mandalorian is a group of people and they they use the phrase, this is the way, a lot in the show. Essentially, they, they do, do think... Their, exactly. Yeah. What's best for their clan, what's best for their community, um, this is the way. And basically, nobody questions it because this is the way means we do this because it's it's better for everybody. So the way or this is the way the way we're kind of presenting it in this podcast episode is we're imagining this fictitious character sometimes it's fictitious and sometimes it's not but in this case this fictitious character has asked zach and jen what is the way in terms of thriving or in terms of being the strongest healthiest happiest version the fittest version of kind of what we do. So we're, we're taking it straight from like a gym perspective. So if someone said, what is the way we're going to give our interpretation of it? I just want to say that 
we believe in what we're doing fully. It's obviously why we're doing it. It's the reason I opened up a gym. It's the reason Jen quit her job to join our gym and move to Brandon and marry me and those things as well. But (laughs) if we didn't believe in this, if we didn't believe that this was the way, we wouldn't be doing it. So I'm not saying this is the very best way in the world, but I also believe it is the best way in the world because this is why we do it, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So I'm... I don't do it because I don't believe we kinda, in it. We live and breathe this way. So yes. when we say to someone that's asking us, it's because it's what we do. Yes. So in short, <laughs> we're trying not to be braggy, but we believe in this a lot. So this is the way. We're going to start with the main pillar, I suppose, is working out or exercise. Okay. And we believe heavily in strength and conditioning which is essentially what we do every day at our gym. So we're starting with? So we're starting with four to five days of intense physical activity a week. This is the way? So in our world, this is the way. In our world, we believe that coming to our gym or wherever you live, your gym, but we believe in four to five days a week of high-intensity physical activity. That's just it's what we've been doing now for over 10 years. We love the way it makes us feel. It helps us thrive in our world. It doesn't mean if you're not doing this, you have to be doing this because you could be thriving in your world. In your way. Yeah. We're just, again, I always find this need to defend what I'm saying because I always feel like it comes across braggy, Jen, and listeners, but not trying to sound braggy. But yes, we believe in four to five days a week of essentially showing up to classes. Yeah, and so you know, to define that. Cause there's people that do exactly what we do, but they do it in their garage. They do it at the cabin. So it's not necessarily, um, a gym, but you know, sort of one hour of, again, that intense, uh, physical activity. And so we're going to break that down because essentially we do combinations of strength and conditioning. And I think there's ways to, um, to further enhance what we mean by, you know, getting the most bang for your buck out of those four to five days. So when we talk about strength, you know, how do we know that we are um, doing our best in the strength department? Yes. And the, the reason we believe in strength and conditioning and strength first is because like, obviously we, we believe that strength is very important and you've talked about this a lot. So I'll let you take this one, but why is getting strong important, Jen, for, someone to thrive or for us thriving? I mean, I think when you just look at the body in general, being able to move your body, move things in your house, do whatever, you know what I mean? I think having strength, it plays a huge role. Secondly, I think independence, right? I want to be independent for my entire life. I don't want to rely on different things or, um, don't want to rely on anyone. I don't want packs to have, I want to be independent. And so for me to do that, I need to have a strong body. The third thing that comes to mind is that our bodies burn a certain number of calories a day. And the only real control that we have of that number, which would be like our basal metabolic rate, is the amount of muscle that we carry. That's really the only thing that we can change. We can't change any of the other ones. So I'm not going to get into them. But increasing muscle mass 
helps burn more calories, um, which means nutritional freedom down the run, down the line, especially as we age, right? As we age, we're going to naturally lose muscle mass. So it's super important to build it and then sustain it. Um, and then third, there's lots of research to support, um, with, you know, being stronger, being able to regulate hormones and, um, other things along that line as well. So, and as much as we like to admit it or not admit it, we all want to look good naked or look good in a bathing suit and feel muscle good. mass. Feel good in our skin. Yes. And feel good in our skin. But muscle mass or building muscle mm-hmm. plays a much larger role in that than most people realize. Mm-hmm. We always think, oh, we want to lose our, our f- you know, lose some fat or lose our belly or look leaner or be skinnier or more toned which is totally fine when people say those words or think that. But in our world, we know the quickest way to get to your goal is getting stronger. Yes. Building muscle. Yes. Well, and if you think of it visually, instead of losing fat, which is what everyone thinks is happening, your muscles are actually just coming towards the skin more. That's the quote unquote toned. And you can start um, burning that fat (laughs) off easier. Exactly. But let's get back to the way everybody. So when we're, talking about strength or muscle mass what we essentially mean is getting stronger so how do we get stronger obviously we're going to be lifting weights in our world we do some form of strength training almost every day so what i want to say everybody listening is number one is you you gotta lift with the best technique possible because the technique is the ceiling where you can only lift so much weight if your technique is bad So if you're rushing towards a 200-pound back squat, I mean, that's fine. But as a coach, what we see is there's a ceiling on your lifting where I'm actually, I want you lifting 300 one day safely. So if the technique is there, i.e. squatting below depth, being able, you know, to be mobile enough to get all the way down into a full squat, hips below knees, and being able to kind of bounce out of the bottom and stand up quick if we're working on the snatch or clean. I mean, there's a ton of technique tips there, but, but technique first, obviously for safety, but also to move that ceiling higher. So we actually increase our potential of getting stronger, building more muscle. So technique comes first. You got to really work on that so that we can get stronger. When we're working on our lifts, we've kind of coined the term, the lit factor. I think we've coined that term. Did we? I did not know that was. The idea is out there. Okay. This idea is everywhere. I've but seen this word. on Tactic Nutrition. I've seen this on James Smith Instagram. But we're we're using the lit factor. Essentially, that's like the reps that are left in the tank. So L-I-T-T, left in the tank. So let's just say I'm back squatting that we talked about this on the last one regarding Mm -hmm. the plateau, but if I'm in a really good, you know, if I want a really good back squat set, I need a weight on the bar. If it's a set of five that maybe I would get six reps, maybe I would get seven, but I couldn't get eight. So having one or two reps left in the tank is like a sweet spot for pushing adaptation, basically challenging your muscles enough, stressing them out enough that they're going to recover and grow and come back stronger exactly so we'll just leave it at that but 
If you're doing back squats, but there's always 10 reps left in the tank or 12, it's still good that you're moving, but you're not going to get the same adaptations or as strong as the person who's always kind of pushing the limit a bit more. And again, notice that I didn't say failing reps or zero reps left in the tank. One or two or one to three is the sweet spot for getting stronger with your lifts. Mm -hmm. And I think even just thinking about, you know, if you think back one year ago, I would say for the majority of people, like they are not using the same weights as they were a year ago. If you think back to a year ago and you're thinking, yeah, I'm still using all the same weights in every single workout. Well, then that's also a sign like, you know, it's time to add the two and a halfs or the fives to, again, drive that adaptation in your own body. Yeah. And our conversation revolving around this is the way, the way about getting the most out of your health and fitness yeah. right so we're, we're trying to improve here everybody mm-hmm. we're trying to get the most out of our bodies so yes pushing it in those strength sessions is key moving on to conditioning yeah. so the other half of what we do is metabolic conditioning or cardio or cardiovascular endurance whatever term you want to use but the the best one i've heard here is that intensity is the shortcut to results So with strength, we had like reps left in the tank on the conditioning side intensity. We have the rated perceived exertion, the RPE and essentially for most of our workouts at the gym, we're trying to sit in that like eight and eight to nine out of 10, right? Maybe once in a while it, it hits like we call it the red line, you know, 10 out of 10, but I think most people in this area are, are hovering around five, six, or seven a lot. That's generally what we see when someone is not improving. They're not, it's just, it simply comes down to they're just, they're not actually working as hard as they think they're working. I think they think they're at an eight or nine, but what we visually see is like a five or a six. So it's really working hard to, you know, out of those four to five days a week, that two of them, you are really pushing. This is the Ronimal, right? Mm-hmm. One to two day, one to two days a week, like full send, breathe some fire, let's go, right? Mm-hmm. One to two days a week, somewhere in the middle, maybe one day a week, you're like, thank goodness I even got to the gym because I almost canceled because I was exhausted. So one day a week, you can pat yourself on the back just for showing up. Yeah, no one's breathing fire seven days a week. Exactly. So we're not 10 out of 10 every workout, but I think Jen and I reflect a lot Sometimes when we finish workouts, like what day is today? Tuesday? Tuesday. Right? Like Sunday, I brought it. I felt like, and I was like, you know, even Carter was like, you know, again, not to brag about myself, but even Carter was like, whoa, man, you're moving fast today. I was like, yeah, like that for me, that was a nine or 10 out of 10. I really had the energy. I must have had a good sleep or a good meal, but that day I really brought it. I will bring it one more day this week. But I'm just kind of, I always got that balance of about two days a week. I really, really go after it. And essentially the feeling is that when I finish my workout, like I don't collapse, but like I I want to lay down. I'm so tired. I want to lay down. I kind of refuse that feeling. I'm like, no, just walk yourself to a bike and cool Mm -hmm. down. But very, very, very exhausted. Mm -hmm. And again, there's a couple days in the middle there. But what we're trying to say here, folks, is you got to be careful. You're not in autopilot 
sitting in your comfort zone. Yeah. And I mean, meaning that you really starting to pay attention that you don't, you don't row a thousand meters at the same pace as you would row 200 meters. Good example. You don't run a mile the same pace you would run a 400. There's different paces for every workout. There's different paces for each station, you know, and, and it, part of it is, you know, knowing yourself, but again, if, and we do repeat workouts and this is sort of the reason to, you know, to see your fitness coming along. Um, but to make sure that you have opportunities to kind of kick yourself in your own butt (laughs) to go. Another um, great, great thing I want to say to everybody is that if, if, you know, if you're in group classes, you know, hope like I, again, we just, we, the way for us is group classes because the, the people around you will push you, but in your group classes, you should kind of pick out like the top five, six, seven people in your gym who are in group classes and you should do your very best to keep up with them. Even if it's with lighter weights or slightly easier workouts, but you kind of need to feel the speed and the intensity of what those athletes are feeling. So I, I've like told people like, you know, in our gym, if we're using some of the top people, there's a lot of people who can bring the heat. So what you should start doing is picking out people near the, near the top. And again, it's, you don't have to use the same weights as them because using the same weights kind of starts to get into an area that's not entirely safe, but there are days that you could mimic their workout with a much lighter weight or maybe one less round. Maybe it's a slightly easier version of the workout, but then like you hunt down their time or you stay ahead of them. You try to beat them so you can feel their speed and their intensity. And then you can be like, whoa, okay. So these folks are kind of going this fast every day. I learned that lesson when I was, you know, we were training with Tyson is that I remember we'd be in like a clean workout. I'd ask him, okay, what's your max clean? He'd say like 3.30. And I'm like, okay, mine's 2.30. So instead of using the same weight as him and losing by eight minutes, you know, he's using 70%. I'm going to use 70%. And then I'm going to try to beat him. And all of a sudden you can start to feel the proper stimulus and the proper Mm -hmm. intensity. Yeah, absolutely. That's all I have to say on that one. Yeah, I think um, that's a really great idea just to, and I think, because I think it's also a way to sort of hold yourself accountable. If you say, I mean, I did it on Sunday. I said, Shauna's in this class. I am going to do my very best to keep up with Shauna on these runs because there was lots of running. And it was great for me because it pushes me out of my comfort zone of running um, so that's like exactly what you just mentioned. Um, they do it all the time and use, use the people around you to make yes. you better. There's always someone there that can help you be better, or there's, you know, a score that you can chase or whatever it yes. may be. Um, I think also that doing that requires, you know, using a lighter weight, doing one last round requires you to set ego aside Maybe that means not taking the RX or the prescribed. Maybe it means using a lighter weight, you know, knowing that you, you know, didn't go head to head, but in the end, it's going to make you a better athlete. And I think the second thought on that is that thinking that it's going to hurt less at some point is incorrect. It's never going to hurt less. All the people that are, you know, running faster, they've just learned to hurt more. They've, they've accepted that and like they they're, just keep pushing. They're hurting the same amount or more. They're experts at feeling <laughs> yes. 
okay with being that uncomfortable. Yes. They've just had more practice. And I think, you know, in some instances, let's just say, yes, you know, my front squat is whatever, you know, whatever it is. So the wall ball, the 14 pound wall ball does feel light for me. So as you get stronger, things might feel easier. You can do more in a row. However, that hurt in a conditioning workout never goes away. And I think when it does, that is the exact point where you need to say, okay, I need something to kick me out of my comfort zone again. How am I going to do this? And I mean, side note, that's why we have gold setting sessions for people that maybe feel like they're stuck or want some input from what we've seen over the last little bit. Um, so that's what those sessions are all about to have these conversations. But that's my thought on conditioning. This is the way. This is the way. Okay, let's move Next on. Next up is sleep. This is a simple one. This will be a lot shorter one. <laughs> There's a lot of things going on with people's lives. So we're mm-hmm. not here to judge that. Again, going back to our fictitious character, they said, what is the way? This is the way. Sleeping before 10 p.m., waking up around 6 a.m. That would give you eight hours of sleep or more. We've been doing this for a long, long, long time. I was not very good at this in my 20s. But I'm telling you at 36 that this is the way. We've been doing this so long now, and when I, I say so long, like four or five years, maybe having a kid, all of a sudden, either that kid is going to drown you in exhaustion, or you adapt and get your sleep schedule dialed the F in so you can keep <laughs> up. And I would say in our situation, like my sleep schedule is extremely dialed in so we're we're sleeping before 10 p.m every night and we have not set an alarm clock in a long time for two reasons number one is paxton's natural circadian rhythm she's going to bed at about seven and her like and this is just this is wonderful because this is how we're built but she gets up at about 6 a.m almost every day very close to it Sometimes 5.30, sometimes 6.30, but very close to 6 a.m. or 5.45, would you say, mm-hmm. on most days? Yeah. If she's if she sleeps till 6 or 6.15, our bodies are actually waking up. Like, we will wake up naturally at 5.45 or 6. Mm-hmm. And if we have kind of a late night or a crazy late night where we go to bed at 11, super wild. <laughs> and let's just say Paxton is staying over at a grandparent, so she's not here to wake us up. Our bodies will still wake us up at 6 a.m. So really bragging about the circadian, our circadian rhythm here. But um, I believe that sleep is huge. So we're hoping people, if you're way off from that, slowly start. You got to slowly start shifting towards that. Obviously, anybody who has a baby or working night shifts, you got to just do the best you can do. Yeah. Obviously not the same situation. No, not saying quit your job tomorrow, but a lot of people, there are a lot of people not having night shifts. I think they have the ability to do a better job with their sleep and they're not um, maybe doing as good of a job as they, they should be. But um, to push those adaptations in the strength and conditioning area, sleep is vital. Yes. Period. Okay. Moving on. Our third topic yeah, these are like three. These are three from our like, super six, but mm-hmm. these would be like the three major pillars that were very much in control and 
daily. So we're just kind of hammering on those three today. So the third one is nutrition. Third one is nutrition. So again, we're going to keep it fairly simple here. And these principles really align with our new nutrition classes. And again, um, from doing this for a long time, from seeing what really works for us and also just for knowing what works for people in general and busy lifestyles and all that stuff. Um, the first idea is 0.7 grams per pound of body weight of protein. So take how much you weigh, pull out your calculator, times that by 0.7. That's how much protein you should be eating in a day. Yeah. And I think there's realistically, um, you know, depending on your weight, I think, you know, females, I would probably cap it at about 150, males, maybe 180. Um, I think anything beyond, like we, I don't necessarily think we need to go beyond those numbers, yeah, but that's point. a separate discussion. So um, just that little side asterisk, but yeah, 0.7. So, you know, what does that mean? Um, I'm about 165 pounds. That means for me, I'm eating 117-ish, 118 grams minimum um, of protein a day. And this is not by weight. This is actually how much protein in grams the food has in it. So if you're taking something like a chicken breast, you know, we just made that chart for our class. Yeah. I was just going to say to keep this real simple, everybody just text me right now or text me when you're (laughs) done with this podcast. 204-721-2829. Do people give out phone numbers on podcasts? Too late. But just text me, hey, Zach, just listen to your podcast. I would like that protein cheat sheet. And I will just text you the protein cheat sheet that we've made for our nutrition group. We love you guys so much that it's not even a private document. I just, we're really about helping people. So if you need a bit of a protein cheat sheet or protein, help me out here, Mm -hmm. help. Yeah. We will send you that sheet and that will be a good start on figuring out again how, you know, Jen said to 117, but just, just to get an idea of, okay, how do I get to my number? Or how do I get over a hundred grams? So it's just a very easy way to look at these protein sources. And the, the sheet that we have has 20 protein sources. These are like the main protein sources. Like we're not talking about like the one gram of protein you get from bread. Like, you know, if you can get to whatever. 100 or then 117 like jen said or if you're a male closer to 140 of 150 of grams of protein with these major protein sources Mm -hmm. that's going to be a major help in the other two departments and again that's because that is that's the absolute minimum so we're looking at things that are your big heavy hitters for your protein because there are lots of little things that you can get through the day that will take you even up a notch so that you can get closer to one gram per pound of body weight the heavy hitters Um, are Chicken, beef, yeah. fish. Well, meat, eggs. Yeah. Greek yogurt. There's some. Is there? There's some. Uh, but there's all on there. You'll the, see yeah, it. You'll see yeah. there. It all breaks it down on which ones pack the most protein per hundred grams. Yeah. Okay, so the protein one is huge. The other one that's huge, everybody, is fruits and vegetables. If this is brand new knowledge, then congratulations from crawling out from your cave. But <laughs> it's 2023. <laughs> Fruits and vegetables are a thing, everybody, and they're here to stay. Yeah. Um, 800 grams of fruits and vegetables a day. This has taken idea from optimized me nutrition. 
on Instagram or EC Sankowski eating 800 grams of fruits and vegetables by weight in a day is like the place you want to be. So again, if somebody's listening to this and they just have no idea where to begin, the, the place to begin would be to sign up for our next Rocked Nutrition Master the Basics course that we're going to be running in September. Registration isn't live yet, but keep an eye out in the gym or keep an eye on Instagram. You can do this from anywhere in the world because it's just an online course that we are going through with, we're going through it together with you. And we kick things off by the baby steps to get to what we just talked to. Mm-hmm. So that's the place to start. But we've kind of given you the the framework of the way. Yeah. And I think the the idea behind it is that protein supports muscle growth, also keeps you full. And if your belly's not full of fruits and veggies, you're going to fill it with something else. Um, probably a lot more calorically dense. So simply put, those are the two most important things to do. And I mean, people will ask questions. Oh, well, what about the plate method? You know, you used to say plate method. And we do say the plate method because frankly, the pl- the plate method is how you're going to get to Correct. those two numbers. That is essentially the, the method. Thing. Yeah. But the plate method could be a little bit gray in terms of did I do the plate method or didn't I? Um, you know, three cucumber slices is not half your plate of cucumber. So it's... We're also finding people where they were saying they were doing the plate method, mm-hmm. but then they're eating 50 grams of protein or less. So like Jen said, it's gray where with our course and what we just gave you, very black and white. Mm-hmm. Like, did you hit 130 grams of protein or did you not? Did you hit 800 grams of fruits and vegetables or did you not? Mm-hmm. So we remove everything except for this black and white standard and all of a sudden people are like oh yeah like i i was not eating Mm -hmm. as much fruit and vegetables as i thought i was eating so we like this black and white method because it really starts to help people figure out am i on or off track or how close am i all emotions aside yeah you can take your busy weeks and your emotions and everything. It's still just a yes or no. So clean cut. Those are our three. Um, in summary, again, the way we've got four to five days of intense physical activity. We talked about s- the ways to get the best out of your strength and your conditioning pieces. Sleep, eight hours a night, ideally 10 to six in the morning. And nutrition, we're looking for 0.7 grams per pound of body weight minimum of protein and 800 grams of fruits and vegetables. This is the way. This is the way. 